0: happened on a Sunday night. We had just left church and we stood around questioning the deep things after church. Basically, where are we going to go eat? And so after thinking about it all, we decided we're going to go to Burger Chef. Same greasy Burger Chef we had feasted on fast food and fries and all that dozens of times before. So we went to Burger Chef, filled up our arteries about as full as you could do without having to get a heart cath. And then we went home. But at that time, we drove this my dad drove this 19 like 72 orangish gold Pontiac station wagon it was huge four laps around it was a mile and we got home as we're pulling into the driveway my dad saw something that caused him to pass up the garage pass up the where he normally would park the car and he ended up parking right in front of the gardens and he told us he said why don't you guys watch the rabbits dance in the headlights I'm like <laughs> they put something in dad's fries at burger chef cuz that's just not right but we did anyways. And about 10 minutes later after he had left the car and came back, we discovered that our house had been broken into and ransacked. And everything was moved. It seems like they had taken all the picture frames off the wall, drawers ripped open, doors left open. Now, I'm about 5 or 6 at the time and I'm wondering is my room okay? Which I ran up the stairs to check on my room and not exactly a detective, to my, but to my untrained CSI eye, I could tell somebody was in my room. Even though it didn't look different ransacked than how I kept it, I could tell somebody was looking around. And that night was the first night I had my first interaction with a policeman. We lived in the country, so a deputy sheriff came out. And I remember feeling this sense of calm, even though our whole house had been broken into and our whole, what I felt like was our safety violated, I still felt this calm that there was a policeman there to help us through this whole process so that was my first interaction with the police and that night thankfully they were there to help us get through all of that and to this day honestly andy we have no idea who broke into our house could have been just strangers could have been people who worked around there could have been a team of nuns who just wanted some extra couches
1: it's hard it could have been goldilocks she <laughs> wasn't there <laughs> no she wasn't neither was, and that, that's that'll... the worst scenario is if you come home to a house ransacked and not knowing if someone is inside.
0: Right? Uh, that's exactly right. Or if there's a bear that's sleeping in one chair or in another bed or whatever. So, yeah. Uh,
1: uh, ju- just just with my investigative mind, uh, what was the porridge situation? Are We, we, are
0: we did there? have some cold and mainly cold because we had just left Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: obviously so. to let it cool off. Right
0: Absolutely. Now. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> hey, everybody. My name is LJ. I'm the preacher.
1: And I'm Andy. I'm the policeman.
0: And you're listening to The Preacher
1: and the Policeman.
0: We're so glad you're part of this podcast. This is a brand new podcast called The Preacher and the Policeman because. I am LJ, a preacher, and... I'm Andy, the policeman. (laughs) And we have been working together now for many years. I've known Andy for...
1: 20 plus years, easily.
0: At least. Yeah, that's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll just leave it at that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the grayer my hair gets, the longer those years get. But we have worked together, worshipped together, and now have the privilege to work together in a chaplain and policeman role. Mm -hmm. We launched a chaplaincy about two and a half years ago here in Mount Vernon, Ohio, and it has gone just amazing. And can you speak to a little bit about how the chaplaincy has been a help to the police department and our first responders?
1: Yeah, and we say two and a half years, but that's really just the official date you and i were working behind the scenes for a while before that uh you know maybe three years or longer three and a half years uh trying to get things off the ground we had a lot of obstacles a lot of opposition uh with some maybe some administrative entanglements and some red tape the famous bureaucratic red tape <laughs> yes uh, but what we saw was that of course the lord's timing is perfect and when it was to happen it happened and we saw doors open and it was incredible Uh, and they opened quickly once really everything started moving on his timeline and things just fell together beautifully. So here we are two and a half years later, and you are now, as chief chaplain, along with the other chaplains, embedded in our department. Uh, We have officers that are being counseled by chaplains, married by chaplains. Chaplains are doing the funerals of their loved ones who pass. Uh, This this has completely changed the culture at the police department in a good way, in a better way. In fact, it's made you part of the culture. It's very normal for you to walk in any time.
0: One of my first times when I got to... Just get started. I was riding my bicycle down Mount Vernon Avenue, and I was with. when I'm riding my bike, I just don't want to stop because I have to take my feet out of the clips and all that kind of thing. So I'm riding along, and I turn quickly left in front of a vehicle that's oncoming, but I knew they were turning right, so I was like, well, I'll just turn real quick in front of them. It was the whole team of detectives, and they come right up and line inside me. They're like, oh, wow, this is our new chaplain, and oh, he's yeah. cutting us off already. So it was a great start to that right <laughs> that right. relationship.
1: But that's how those relationships get built, I think, especially as you're telling that story. I'm thinking of your first encounter with a certain patrolman oh, uh, yes. whose arms are about as as round as this table, a yes. huge guy that... Uh, <laughs> You would think, you'd look at him and think, is he approachable? He's got this tattoo clear up his arm, and it looks like he spends a lot of time in the gym. And does he want to talk to a chaplain slash preacher, or is he kind of guarded? And that whole encounter really changed everything, probably for that entire shift that night.
0: Yeah, during our training, the trainers were telling us that to be a chaplain, especially with the police department, it's gonna take a long time to build up trust. And I believe that's true. Very true, yeah. So the first night I went in there, and I'm standing there, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I've got six months, maybe a year before any of the PD will trust me or kind of quote, let me in to be a part of their lives. Yeah. So I'm over there talking to this said officer whose name shall remain nameless to protect (laughs) the innocent. And (laughs) I walk over and I saw this tattoo. It was a fairly new tattoo, so he had some new ink. And I just commented, I said, Man, I like the doves. And <laughs> everybody thought it was hilarious because they weren't doves. And as you said, his exactly. arms were bigger one arm was bigger than both of my thighs put together.
1: Oh, absolutely. This was a city mural they've put on That's his right. arms. That's right. humongous. <laughs> and he's very proud it. Not only looks good, he spent a lot of money. He
0: spent a lot of money. Some very cadmium yellow, some yeah. van Dyke Brown, <laughs> a little sap green, some Bob Ross colors on there. <laughs> And so I just happened to say, man, I like the doves. And everybody thought it was great. And on the way home that night, I got a text that read, you're in. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. I couldn't imagine life now without chaplaincy or without being a chaplain. But I'm thinking it it wasn't long ago. It wasn't even 20 years ago that we were at 9-11 and all of us were watching the screens as NYPD ran into the Twin Towers or as PD ran into the Pentagon or to try to rescue, if anybody could be, from Flight 93. And now here we are, less than 20 years ago, and there's this gr- this hue and cry from, quite frankly, a very vocal minority calling for us to defund the police.
1: And I, th- I think when we talk about the obstacles that we had and what seemed like sometimes were walls coming up for us, we talk about his timing and everything in his season. And I wonder now, because he knew, and so was he reserving that and waiting to have the right time to build those relationships, because this was coming, that had this happened for us when we wanted it to, five, six years ago now, would we have been able to get embedded and have the relationships, and that includes the personnel that are there now, of course, because today we need you more than ever. You are part of this department, in such a way that uh, these officers love you accept you they enjoy the ride-alongs with you and what a great time for you guys to be there what a perfect time for you to be there
0: oh man we love being there we've got a a team right now a chaplain corps of six and then we have several others who are helping us out but the ride-alongs they are fun we were going to a traffic stop where somebody had evaded a traffic stop the officer who was driving was driving safely, but also driving rapidly, trying to get to there, and aid the other officer who was needing backup, we had just stopped at Wendy's. So, and this podcast brought to you by Wendy's. Stop in your neighborhood (laughs) Wendy's and grab a Frosty (laughs) and Fry. As I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and the officer looks over at me, and I'm just eating these french fries out of the french fry container, he looks over me, he says, bro, it looks like you're watching a movie. Just, I, didn't, I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know if I should be nervous, scared, excited, adrenaline, right, whatever. So right. I was like, well, I'm just going to eat my french fries. Now, you've got a dumpster story from Ride Alongs.
1: And which one? Because there's actually a couple dumpster stories. Oh, no. Dumpsters uh, seem to play a bigger part in Ride Alongs <laughs> than I ever imagined. I,
0: I, so. We didn't learn any about that in training. <laughs> no, it was they did all not about mention that. the crime scene tape and staying the on the right, correct scene, right. side of the crime scene tape. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead and tell us about the dumpsters.
1: Well, we've, we've got a couple. <laughs> Lucian Baker tells probably the best one because he was parked next to one for an indefinite period of time. <laughs> uh, so that's usually the first one that comes to mind. Uh, you had one, I believe you were on the one where oh, yeah. somebody thought a dismembered yeah. infant yes. was yes. in. And for anyone listening uh, that has sensitivities, uh, I'll just tell you now, here's a spoiler alert. There was not a dead human in there. It was a yes. some type of very realistic
0: Type of mannequin, mannequin or training mannequin
1: or something, maybe. I don't know. Is it a CPR mannequin? Uh, We still haven't figured that out. But whoever the caller was, with good reason, it looked like a real dismembered infant in
0: there. Yes, yeah. And I remember going toward that scene thinking, oh, this is going to change everybody's life. This is going to change the city. This is going to change. The officer that's going to change everybody. Right. And I was so relieved to find out it was just a yeah. mannequin or a doll. But sure. <laughs> sure. So what happened with Lucian Baker and that dumpster? What?
1: Well, it was totally accidental, and he was riding uh, with a, a veteran officer who just maybe was too focused on his own surroundings and trying to be tactical and not remembering he had ride along. And on a hot summer day, parks next to a disgusting half-filled dumpster (laughs) and leaves him there for an indefinite period
0: you're always the optimist keeping it (laughs) half-filled
1: keep it half full it wasn't half empty no and uh, he tells that story to this day uh it wasn't anything intentional it wasn't anything deliberate but uh he parked him in a terrible situation uh at least as far as his his senses were concerned so well he is
0: one of the he is just one of our great chaplains and if we need a dumpster call out yeah, he would be the guy. Absolutely. He has a doctorate.
1: So we would yeah, certainly have a not want that to go to waste.
0: Absolutely. Not yeah. at all. Right. So we talked a little bit about how the chaplaincy got started, but how did you get started? Were you one of those who it was, Andy, what would you like to be when you grow up? <laughs> and you always said, I would to be a policeman. <laughs> Were you one of those guys or did you want to be an astronaut?
1: I, you know, I used to pretend when I was a kid that I was a policeman and so with, uh, With law enforcement, it's one of the jobs you can do, and there's other jobs like this where you pretend as a child it's what you want to be, and and in our great country, we can be that. So uh, I did follow that dream eventually as an adult, uh, but I wish I had some kind of really noble story to tell that Mm -hmm. I wanted to change lives and, and make things better, but I... I just had this desire from a young age, I felt it was a calling in my life and of course uh, I knew there were some benefits to the job, uh, mostly uh, when it comes to people and relationships and I saw value there and drifted towards that and was able to go through the academy, pass the academy and uh, ultimately land at the department where I'm at now, which is a great department, very fortunate to be there and here I am 21 years out of the academy uh, less than five years to go and I can retire. So I have to say it's it's been very good to me.
0: Excellent. And pastoring, it, some of you might be wondering, like why is a preacher and a policeman, what's the connection? Is there a connection? Huge well, there connection. Re- there really yeah, is, pastoring really. Yeah. and policing yeah. seems to be quite similar. There seems to be a lot similar. of, yes. yeah, there's, a lot, there's a lot of common ground there is. with the two.
1: That common ground is people, of course.
0: Of course. Absolutely. And
1: and oftentimes, of course, even before the chaplaincy, of course, you and I were friends for many years before that. Mm -hmm. uh, There were times that we would coordinate things. I had to kind of be a little creative because we didn't have an official regimented or structured program, I guess you might say. Uh, But I needed you. There was a a need that only you could meet or help someone. And so we had that relationship, as you recall. I'd get in touch with you uh, because of your Involvement with ministries like Celebrate and right. other things. Oftentimes people that were my regulars
0: were also right. your regulars. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so, we had frequent flyer cards free that free we just gave cards. people to punch. Exactly. exactly. Like, oh, you awesome. you need Andy or That's right. This is your second time to the county jail. Here you go. Just punch this and give it back to LJ. <laughs> right, right. That's right.
1: Right. Um, the, the, the common ground is people. Yes. Uh, and broken people, I mean, we're, it, Absolutely includes all of us. Yes. And yes. it just some to a, a greater degree. Sometimes, uh, of course uh, we all might be in a continuing state of flux where th- sometimes things are going great. Other times things are not, but sure. we, we tend to deal with really some of the same issues just from a different perspective, wearing different hats. Right. But when it comes down to it, it's about dealing with people. Yes. That's where that common ground is.
0: One of the, we just, Andy alluded to celebrate recovery. We launched it back in 2018. One of our first meetings, where we had a, a large group of, especially men from one of our recovery houses here in town. They'd come to our chapel. This was their first time there, or maybe maybe second time. So this is all brand new to them. And Andrea, who is my lovely, she was leading the meeting. There's a window that faces the outside, right in front of everybody. So while they're in there, unfamiliar territory, don't know who these people are, don't really know exactly where they are, how long this is going to go, why and all of that. Here comes a vehicle, pulls up in front, and then the PD pulls up right behind that vehicle. Well, you could feel the tension in the air like, oh my goodness, this is a trap, this is a sting, this is a setup, we're going. We're all going down. So I looked at everybody I said, it's okay, everybody, I, I'm not sure what's going on, but let me go check. So I went outside and found out, it just so happened that a lady was lost, needed some direction, so she pulled off and our benevolent patrol, Actually, Sergeant Burns came in just to give her some directions, which was wonderful. But to those poor guys coming for Celebrate Recovery, they thought they were done for. So I walked out, and Andy said, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm just here to give her some directions. I said, okay, great. I'll, I'll go in. I'll tell them. And Andy told me, he said... They're not there anymore. They're halfway to the cornfield behind the church.
1: <laughs> and, and I couldn't have planned it if I wanted to. What, no. I, what I found out later is you're having those meetings in that front chapel. So those windows are right there where I'm pulling yes. up. So they've got yes. a bird's eye view. Yes, yes. And who knows, maybe some of them had warrants. I don't know. It's
0: hard telling, but That's I right. wasn't there for them. I, mean, I, I wasn't there for them at all, but right. they, they were right. a little bit nervous. Right. There have been times I'll be driving the van and bringing a load of guys to church, and I'll, I'll come up, pull them behind the PD. So I'll wave at the PD and I'll pull up behind them or I'll pull up beside them. And I can tell sometimes the guys are like, LJ, stop being so friendly. We just want to go to church. Just leave us alone. And we're
1: looking for the guy sinking down in his seat. Yeah, that's right. Because that's who has the warrant. (laughs) That's right, that's right.
0: But we love, in fact, I went to the overdose awareness event last night and a lot of them from our recovery family and recovery ministry were there. We love those who are in recovery. And I can say, I know in other parts of the country, there is a police sentiment in the communities that is against the guys and gals in blue but i'm thankful that here in mount vernon in knox county there is a great support for the police but i've seen it firsthand i've seen it on ride-alongs i've seen it just in relationships where the police really do what they can to help people they're not in the in the business just of jailing and sending people off to prison and just wiping their hands of them and say, we're done with you. But they really do care and try to do their best. And this goes not only the police but also probation officers and the courts, anybody in that criminal justice system I've seen firsthand over and over as they give people second chances and help them to reestablish, get back on their feet. We're so I want yeah. well, to say kudos to our department.
1: Yeah, and i got to say, I, you know, these— uh, individuals that we have in, in police, in fire, in probation, uh, the courts, uh, clear up to our common pleas judge. I mean, these are these are truly good, good people who understand the value of relationships, and they have made all the difference in the world. Our community is unlike probably the majority, well, at least what you hear in the news. I, I don't right. know that uh, that that can be relied upon. But what I can tell you here is that the. The perception that people have that there are a lot of people who are anti-police is certainly is not true here right uh, to the point and I've shared this with you before and you and I have been out uh, once in a while we go out to lunch I think last time you bought my lunch but <laughs> most of the time I can't well all of the time since all of this started I cannot go out in uniform and buy my own lunch uh, it makes it a little bit awkward so usually I pack my lunch sure but one <laughs> people stop push- being
0: so nice to me <laughs>
1: we're not supposed to take gratuity so it makes a little bit weird but they want to do a nice thing in fact uh, i went out with the chief and the chief has an understanding at his regular stop he has told those girls never let anyone pay for my lunch well we went together and somebody was able to sneak it through maybe it was a new waitress i can't remember and he was a little i don't want to say he was upset but he would rather that it had not happened Uh, he was still gracious about it and what i told him to make him feel a little bit better i said look I bet you this guy, I know who probably did, it was the one guy that came up and said a couple things to us that were very supportive, and my guess is this is probably a guy that goes home, turns on the news, and sits and sees this, gets frustrated, and says, man, I I wish I could help. I wish there was something I could do. If this is what he can do, then God bless him. He did something nice for us, and he probably feels really good about it. I feel good because I didn't have to pay for my lunch. That's exactly right. <laughs> and That's we don't right. know who it is, so
0: M&G's we can not for free. <laughs>
1: exactly. So uh, free Rubens are always good. Yes. Um, so that happens pretty often. So I, I try not to make a habit of going out and ever having the appearance that I maybe overuse that or abuse it. But it just speaks to our community and how supportive it is. It's amazing. Uh, and everywhere we go, we're constantly getting uh, baskets of food and snacks and cards in the mail. I got a letter from California a couple weeks ago from somebody that just loves the police and wants to support the police. That's so awesome. I, It is really not what the media portrays by any means, right. and I don't know what's happening in the rest of the country. Overall, I mean, I hear stories here and there. I know officers working in other communities uh, in some places, but here, I'm telling you, we have a great community.
0: We do, and we have a great division, if you will, or charter chapter of the chaplains called the half units who hear about line of duty deaths or tragedies that happened in other departments, and they send cards, sympathy cards, condolences to those departments, and we hear back many times from them just thanking our department and our chaplains and our half units right. for their service and for their thoughtfulness. Love you, our half units. You mentioned, and I think this is probably where most of our listeners are going to be. If you're listening to a podcast called "The Preacher and the Policeman," you're probably not anti-police and you're probably not anti-preacher. So, <laughs> thanks for being <laughs> supportive. Good for both of us. <laughs> yes. So here's the question: What can people do who want to show support and who want to do something good? for our law enforcement. What can they do for the guys and gals in blue?
1: Well, really, prayer is the number one thing. We are weird anyway as officers because we're so guarded. And I can say it because I am one, and I am a guarded person. And it is awkward. The story of the the lunches that people buy, it it becomes a little bit uncomfortable sometimes for us. And we don't really want to have anybody make a fuss over us. Uh, if you've noticed, some of the things that our churches have done to recognize police yes. generally have a very low yes. police turnout.
0: Yes, we've uh, never had, we've done public servant day for, I don't know, three, four years or so in a row. We never had one officer show up. And right. I thought, I'm sitting in my office going, oh, I have the perfect idea. We're going to do a public servant day and they're all going to come by the exactly, droves. right. And not one drove up. Not by droves. No, no. They just don't want to be singled out. Don't want to be, exactly. Yeah,
1: so it makes it difficult. Um, Little things that people may not be aware of, they go a long way, and and it can be a compliment. Some departments have a way to compliment police, which is very nice considering there's plenty of people who will
0: make their complaint (laughs) on the police. Yes. (laughs) Um, <laughs> the other bucket on the other side of the glass is filling up rather rapidly. Uh, right. The right, compliment bucket is.
1: Right. And what people may not realize is those compliments, whether they're a card, a letter, an email, a phone call to a supervisor, those go into the personnel file. Okay. And, and more importantly, because you take some place like our city, uh, we are not a chartered city, we're under civil service. So that has no bearing on promotions, it has no bearing on how much uh, you may or may not receive by raise. That's all done by contract. But what it does do is it makes that officer realize that guy noticed or that lady cared enough, took the time to do that. And that means more than a free lunch or somebody offering to buy your dinner. Uh, Those are nice things to do, too. I'm not discouraging that, but those go an awful long way. The things that they may not see are are going to be the prayer and the support.
0: Well, you mentioned relationships, Mm -hmm. and that to me is where it all begins. Anybody who says all the police they just get the job so they can beat people up and they can push people around and they can get a badge and a gun and feel like they're superman i have not seen that in any officer with whom i've ridden along or any officer i've had a relationship with so i think when people get to know the people in their city whether it's police sentiment or it is an ethnic group or it's a diverse group from them that leads us into our next episode which next month we're excited to have a guest on the show. It's our second episode, and we already have a guest, so we are screaming into the atmosphere. We have arrived. (laughs) We have arrived, that's right. We are going to be bringing our, our youth pastor from Apostolic Church here in Mount Vernon and possibly a chaplain in the future, Gavin Cole, and we're going to be interviewing him, talking to him, and hearing what he has to say about what it is to live as a minority in a predominantly white community. So Gavin's going to be on the show with us. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the pilot episode, and we're excited about the episodes that are to come. Basically, what we want to do here is talk current events, share the gospel, and have a lot of fun. And we're glad you're a part of it. You've been listening to The Preacher. I'm LJ The Preacher.
1: And I'm Andy The Policeman.
0: So be blessed.
1: And be safe.